Hello and welcome to Element City Church. I am Josh. I am one of the... Hi, everybody. A few of you know me. Thank you. Happy Father's Day to everyone else out here. We're going to talk about that in just a minute. And if you forgive me, I got a couple notes just to make sure I don't forget anything of what I'm supposed to say this morning or evening. It's evening now. Uh, I'm one of the board members here at Element City Church. Been on the board pretty much since I moved back from Pennsylvania, but I've been around for a long time. It's good to see a lot of you here. Uh, welcome to everybody who's tuning in online. Uh, if you're new here, go ahead and click the connect button and you can get connected that way. You can chat with one of the hosts. Um, happy Father's Day to everyone. I hope uh, all the fathers got their raffle tickets. Did you get a raffle ticket? If you didn't get a raffle ticket, go back and get a raffle ticket. There's going to be a raffle at the end of the service. They're going to give away a few prizes. I have no idea what they are, but I'm hoping there's a mani-pedi or maybe a salon day or something like that, like we did for Mother's Day. Probably not. Um, so Jack asked me to tell some dad jokes since it's Father's Day. But so I used to tell dad jokes. And then I became a dad. Now I just tell jokes. <laughs> what are the two strongest days of the week? Saturday and Sunday. The rest of them are weekdays. <laughs> Did you guys hear about the farmer who was having a really rough year and decided to try his hand at uh, music? He had a ton of sick beats. Okay, that's it for the jokes. They don't get any better from here, um, especially if Lyle's teaching tonight. They don't get any better. Love you, Lyle. All right, if you're new here and you're in person, welcome. Um, that's probably like the worst introduction to a church you could ever have is come in and have a guy standing up here telling dad jokes. Uh, but there is a 10-minute party at the end of the service. It's going to be right back there. There's a big orange lamp that will be lit, lit up, and they should have a 10-minute party back there. Um, it lasts for 10 minutes. Uh, we have a free gift for you. It is kettle corn. It's not just any old kettle corn, though. It is the best kettle corn south of the Grand Canyon, or so I'm told, because I'm not new enough to have gotten any. Um, if you want to know more about Element City Church, go ahead and fill out the connection card. And if you're online, you can fill out a digital connection card. And you can uh, connect with us, learn more about us, learn who we are, what we do, and just get connected to some of the folks here. We can even get you involved in e-groups and that sort of thing. So we've got all sorts of stuff going on with that. Um, or you can text the word hello to 520-340-6868. Let me just double check that. Is that correct? All right, cool. Um, another one of the cool things that we do here at Element City Church, we are part of a network of churches where we all get together and pray for one another. So this week's Church of the Week is Summit Ridge Community Church with uh, Pastor Dan Acker. So we're going to take a couple minutes to just pray before we start our service. We're going to pray for the Church of the Week. We're going to pray for our fathers, and we're going to get kicked off with some sick beats. I don't know if you guys heard that or not. Yeah? That was you. That was you guys. Yeah. All right. Father God, the creator of the universe, we are so thankful 
to be standing here in your presence today. We thank you, Lord, that you are our guider, our, our provider, that you are our example for what a father should be and everything we look for in life, Lord. It comes from you. You created everything. You created life itself, and we are here solely to serve you. We thank you for Pastor Dan Acker over at Summit Ridge Community Church, and I ask that you would be with him this week and his congregation this week. You would give him rest, and you would give his congregation the confidence that they need to stand in you and to come to you in prayer. Lord, we thank you for all the dads that we have in our congregation and in our lives. It's Father's Day is a tough day sometimes. It's a tough day for me today. Lord, we ask that the fathers here would lead their families well, that they set the spiritual tone for their families, that they would encourage their wives to love you and to seek after you, and they would encourage their families to come to church and set that as an expectation of how their families are going to be, go from this day forward, that they will attend church. It doesn't have to be this church. It could be Summit Ridge, it's fine. Anywhere they go to just have that inflow of your spirit, Lord, because you are the father of all and you are our prime example. Lord, help us to love our wives as Christ loved the church. Help us to discipline our kids but have mercy on them as well. Help us, Lord, to work hard, to provide for our families, and to live as you lived. That every person we meet, whether it's a family member or a friend or a coworker or the person on the street, that we would be Jesus to them. That every day, not just Sunday, but every day, we can show your love. And we can be that example to our children and to our wives of what it means to be a godly man and a man after your own heart. We thank you, Lord, for Element City Church and for our worship team and for our congregation and for our leaders and our volunteers. They work so hard every day to come here and praise and worship you. We thank you, Lord, for that. And we just stand and worship and enter into a great time of praise and worship and teaching. In your name, amen. Let's stand up together tonight. Let's put those hands together.
Lord, we bow before you. And nations bow, mountains shake at the sound of just one name. And over all, Jesus reigns. I know, I know. And nations bow, mountains shake at the sound. Just one day over all Jesus reigns. I know, I know.
praise to the King of kings, to the King of heaven, your people sing. We lift you up, we lift you up, we lift you up. Oh, beautiful, beautiful, beautiful is love. Let's just give this moment to Jesus. for the work of the Holy Spirit. Yes, Lord. You know your heart, if there is something there that's wrong, just give it all to Jesus. He can take it. Father, you are good. And we're also celebrating you tonight. For you have loved this world so much that you've given your only son, Jesus, who came down on earth and walked fully God, fully man, and went on the cross, was crucified for all our sins. And then he got resurrected. He rose on the third day. So now we are risen with you. For everyone who believes in you, Jesus, is saved. So tonight we call on the name of Jesus for our salvation. And we praise you for we are being adopted into the family of God. What a huge privilege for all those who were raised without fathers. There is a chance and privilege for all of us to experience the love of the greatest father of all. We thank you, God. We praise you tonight. Speak to us, Lord, we pray that you would bless Lyle, anoint him as he speak the words of truth into our hearts. Lord, we are listening and we submit ourselves fully to you, God. Do whatever you want. Our hearts and our lives are yours. We love you and we praise your name and we pray all these things in the name of Jesus. And everyone said, Amen. You may be seated. Amen. Well, again, I uh, just want to wish a happy Father's Day to all the dads who are in the room. Uh, today is also uh, Juneteenth, so that marks the end of slavery in the United States. Uh, so that was when slavery kind of ended in Texas. That was the last place um, where that was still existing. So I think it's worthy of mentioning that as well, because that was when our nation finally began to right a great wrong. Um, so yeah, big day. Uh, to celebrate today, for sure. So uh, dads, make sure you get the tickets. We've got some buckets up here. We're gonna give some stuff away. There's like REI gift cards, uh, Buffalo Wild Wings gift cards, some snacks in there as well. No spa days. Sorry, Josh. Uh, maybe you and Barbie can uh, book one, get couples massages, something like that. Valentine's Day's coming up in a couple of months, right? Like seven or eight months, so you got time, so. Got time to book that. So we're in the Sermon on the Mount. That's what we've been going through. Uh, if you are new with us, uh, if you're tuning in online as well, welcome. Uh, we're glad that you're joining in. So we're in Matthew chapter six, and tonight we're looking at fasting and reward. Fasting and reward. If you were tracking with us back in May for Mother's Day, we talked about anger and murder. So moms, don't kill your kids. Don't get mad at your kids. That was kind of the message. Tonight, the message is, guys, you need to lose some weight, apparently. So I don't know how that planned out. Jack said that it just so happened. He's not here to speak for himself, but 
I'm just throwing it out there. That's how the cards fell. So that's where we're at tonight, talking about fasting and rewards. So we're going to be in Matthew chapter 6. Uh, we're going to be in uh, chapter, uh, verse 16 rather, is where we'll be starting. So if you want to get into the Bible notes, uh, we've got all the notes there as well. But what do you do when you have to speak about fasting? That was kind of the, the internal struggle for me this week. It's not enthralling. Right, like most of us, we hear fasting and immediately you might be thinking like intermittent fasting, gotta get those gains, right Mike Penn? Like he's just like, intermittent fasting is the way to go when it's all about diet. I'm totally making fun of him. He says the word gains too much. That's been uh, just a, a thing that we've uh, joked with each other about. I love you, Mike, I really do. Um, so yeah, what are you, <laughs> fasting. So it's gonna be a little bit academic tonight, I'm sorry. I will just apologize in advance if you feel like you're sitting in a seminary class. That was not my goal. That's just kind of what happens when you get to look at fasting and what fasting is all about. Um, But then there's also the side of fasting where this is a legitimate spiritual discipline that Jesus expected his followers to participate in. And so for us in the church today, this may not be something that's really on our radar, especially in the Christian church. In the Catholic church, they, uh, they participate with Lent and a lot of devout Catholics, they might still fit, uh, fast every Friday. Um, but in, in the Christian church, we don't talk about it too much. So if nothing else, I hope tonight challenges you just a little bit um, to kind of look at your own life and, and think through the benefits of fasting, the reasons to fast, and see if something stands out to you tonight. So we're going to start by looking at the Baker Encyclopedia of the Bible. What does it say about fasting? It says this, spiritual fasting entails setting aside activities as well as reducing the intake of food and replacing these activities with the exercise of prayer and preoccupation with spiritual concerns. There you go. Super Right, like we're already pushing our glasses up, I know. Uh, But the New Testament word which is translated fasting, it literally means one who has not eaten, one who is empty. So that was fascinating, uh, because these days, most people are like, when they, they want to fast, what do they do? Oh, I'm going to fast from social media. When it's Lent, I'm going to fast from drinking alcohol. I'm going to fast from Netflix, you know? Rarely do people like to take on like, the, the idea of fasting when it comes to food. And yet, when the Bible talks of fasting, that's specifically what it deals with. Does that mean that's the only way to fast? No, that's not what I'm saying. If some of you are watching too much YouTube, you might need to fast from YouTube for a little bit, right? Like, that's okay. Um, But it's just important to note that. So three types of fasts. uh, Just again, we're going to get all the nerdy stuff out of the way. Normal fast. That's where you don't take any food in uh, for a predetermined period of time. But liquids are okay. Drink water, drink smoothies, whatever uh, you would do. Some people, you can't go without food. Some people have to worry about their blood sugar or some folks need the protein because like Mike Penn, again, he needs to get his gains. So uh, if you're going to do a partial fast, you might eliminate some food from your diet. Uh, but you would also uh, still eat some things uh, and you'd still drink some things. And then there's the last fast, which is like, this is the hardcore fast. That's the absolute or the total fast where you don't have any food, any liquids for whatever that predetermined period of time is. And the goal is to dedicate yourself to more time in prayer as you do that. So what does the Bible actually say about fasting? That's what we're going to do for our five-minute nerd out today. It's kind of a... That's right. It's a five-ish minute nerd out today. My last five-minute nerd out went 11 and a half minutes, according to Jack. But what he didn't understand, and this one's on me, folks. This one's on me. Uh, I talked about Greek words, and I meant the five-minute nerd out was kind of like broken up by when we were actually talking about those Greek words. Again, I didn't clarify that. That's on me. I get it. So we're going to keep it short tonight. When I practiced this earlier, it was about four minutes. So five-ish minute nerd out starts now. So fasting up to the time of Jesus. What does the Old Testament say about fasting? 
There's actually only one fast in all of scripture that is commanded to the people of Israel. So God only once commands his people to fast for one reason alone, and that's for the Day of Atonement, which we call, still today, Yom Kippur. There you go. So Yom Kippur is still celebrated by uh, any, any practicing Jew. Uh, and so that's the only fast that's commanded in Scripture. You can see that in Leviticus 23. It's also in a chapter in Numbers where it gets reiterated. Uh, and so that was it. When the, the nation of Israel wanted to approach God to make atonement for their sins, God said before they could approach him, they needed to cleanse themselves. And so people who fast for medical reasons today, why do they do that? They do that to detox the body that there's toxins in the body that they need to get rid of. And so fasting helps your body get rid of those things so that it can get healthy again. And in the same way, God's saying, I want you to purge yourself of your sin before you come and make your presentation to me of, of, of these sacrifices that you need to make. So uh, Leviticus 23, the language that gets used for flat fasting, uh, it would say afflicting yourself. Like if you were to afflict yourself, that means that you are to fast. So if you ever see afflict yourself in scripture, it doesn't mean get a knife and like all oh, cut yourself. Sorry, that would, that's dark. It doesn't mean like cut yourself uh, or, or anything to like make yourself hurt or like some, uh, um, some sects within the Catholic church, they put the spike thing around their leg, right? You remember the Da Vinci Code? Well, we don't watch the Da Vinci Code. We're good Christians, right? But still, if you ever watch the Da Vinci Code, right? Like wink, wink. There's the guy who would put the thing around his leg and it like was always digging into his flesh. And that, that affliction was to remind him of the sufferings of Christ. So that would be uh, the only commanded fast in scripture was Yom Kippur, the Day of Atonement. Uh, but towards the end of the Old Testament, what we see in the book of Zechariah, uh, chapter seven and eight, that four days of fasting were established for the nation of Israel. And all of these dates were established to remember. So what were they remembering? One, the anniversary of the capture of Jerusalem by the Chaldeans. Great day for them, right? Not at all. Second, they would uh, remember the date of Tisha B'Av, I don't speak Hebrew, so if I butchered that, I apologize. Uh, but that's also still remembered today. And that's when they remembered the burning of Jerusalem and uh, the, the burning of the temple. So that happened in about 587, 586 BC. That was probably about nine years after Jerusalem actually initially fell uh, to the Chaldeans. So they would remember both of those dates. The third date that they would remember is the murder of Gedaliah. You can catch there's a real positive spin to all of these dates right now. So the murder of Gedaliah, why was this important to the Jews? It's because uh, after the murder of Gedaliah, all the Jews in the province of Judah fleed. They got out. It wasn't safe for them anymore. And so they remember that time because that was when the province of Judah, the first time that all of the Jews had left. And so that was a very somber date for the nation of Israel. And then lastly, they would remember the beginning of the siege of Jerusalem by Nebuchadnezzar. So all four of those dates, as you can kind of see, that it, fasting became associated with mourning. That whenever the people would afflict themselves and call themselves to fast, it was usually because uh, there was something in their heart that they were mourning. So in the Old Testament, God, uh, with the language that he would use to the Israelites of afflicting yourselves, again, there's this kind of a tone that gets taken on of suffering when it comes to fasting. So that kind of sets up what Jesus says about fasting. How do we do on that five-minute nerd out? Four minutes, right? There you go, Jack. Eat that one. All right. Sorry. I, I don't need to brag. I don't need to brag. It's terrible. It's terrible. Josh said I wasn't going to make any jokes tonight that were funny, but challenge accepted. All right. What does Jesus say about fasting? That brings us to Matthew chapter 6, verses six through eight, or 16 through 18. Uh, and so here's what Jesus says in the Sermon on the Mount. He says, and when you fast, again, it's not if you fast, he's saying, and when you fast. 
So when you, as my followers, fast, don't look gloomy like the hypocrites, for they disfigure their faces that their fasting may be seen by others. Truly, I say to you, they have received their reward. But when you fast, anoint your head, wash your face, that your fasting may not be seen by others, but by your Father who's in secret. And your Father who sees in secret will reward you. And so Jesus is changing the, the paradigm here. People traditionally in the Old Testament when they fasted, because it was a cause for mourning, they wanted to make sure people knew that they were in mourning. And now Jesus is saying, that's not why we fast anymore. We don't have to fast uh, to suffer. It's not a gloomy occasion. Uh, And so what Jesus is pointing out is that clearly, once again, just like with giving, like we talked about two weeks ago, like we talked about last week with prayer, and like we're talking about tonight, there's a way for you to practice your faith. There's a way for you to do the things that Jesus has called you to do that is completely self-serving and gives no glory to God. And so Jesus wants to correct that in his followers. Jesus wants his followers to know the wholehearted way to follow after God, to practice their religion in such a way, to practice their faith where God would bless that. Because it's not about them. It's not about the show of piety of look how religious I am. The world needs more of us Christians to live like this, that we don't need to show everybody how holy we are, that we're better than them but we still need to be devoted to the spiritual practices so that we can grow in our faith, so that we can shine the light of Christ in the way that we live our lives. It's meant to be attractive to people the way that we live differently, right? So clearly there's a way to fast that's self-serving. In Isaiah chapter 58, if you've got time this week, it's not too long, like 12, 13 verses, you should read it because it describes true and false fasting in the nation of Israel. People would fast so they could appear holy. They wanted to look pious. And God uh, tells the people that they're fasting just to seek their own pleasure. And then he gets to this uh, passage where he says, yeah, sure, you fast, and yet you oppress your workers. You beat your servants. There's a way to fast that doesn't please God. And he says, is not this the fast that I choose? That a person should come humbly to me and should fight for the rights of those who have less rights. Isn't it to free people from oppression? Isn't it to share your food with those who don't have food? Isn't it to bring those who don't have clothes into your home and to clothe them? That's what Isaiah 58 says. This is the fast that I wanna see in my people. And John Goldengay in his uh, commentary for uh, Isaiah said this, he said, people in Jerusalem are particularly interested in the spiritual practices of fasting, and yet they were puzzled as to why it didn't work. There was a mismatch between people's spiritual practice and the rest of their lives. People want to acknowledge God's ways and want to draw near to God, but on their fast day and on the Sabbath, they're just doing what they want. If you're seeking God in a way that involves serious self-discipline, but you're behaving in the way the prophecy describes, you're again showing that you don't understand who Yahweh is. It's as if you are fasting before some God other than Yahweh. Heavy words. Because fasting without any concern for the rest of our behavior is ultimately useless before God. If all we're doing to fast, we, don't, we wanna have this self-discipline to look religious and to look good, and if we don't care about the rest of our lives, if that doesn't align with scripture and with the things that Jesus calls his followers to do, it's ultimately worthless. That's what we have to see. That's what Jesus wants us to see. And so fasting isn't meant to be a gloomy occasion anymore, and, and people were wondering why. 
Uh, And so there's an interesting passage in Mark chapter 2 where John's disciples uh, and the Pharisees were fasting. And they approach Jesus. And they come to Jesus and like, hey, why aren't your disciples fasting? Our disciples are fasting. Why aren't yours? And Jesus said to them, can the wedding guests fast while the bridegroom is with them? As long as they have the bridegroom with them, they cannot fast. The days will come when the bridegroom is taken away from them. And then they will fast in that day. You see, what Jesus is saying is he, the bridegroom, has come for the bride. We, as the church of God, we are called the bride of Christ. Christ has come. The bridegroom has come. And so we don't have to go for the day of atonement anymore to present sacrifices in the temple to cleanse ourselves from our sin. Jesus already accomplished it. He already did it. Salvation is here. Deliverance is here. Now. And so we don't fast to mourn any longer. We fast to remember, but we don't fast to mourn. And so a couple reasons to fast. Maybe you hear that. And you're like, okay, what's a good reason? If we don't fast to mourn, why do we fast? So first of all, we see it in the Day of Atonement, that passage in Leviticus 23. We fast uh, for obedience and consecration. It's a big kind of word, consecration. You're probably like, what the heck? Um, The idea of consecration is to be associated with the sacred. That's literally what it means. But if someone was consecrating themselves, it means they were setting themselves apart for religious purposes. They were setting themselves apart so they could be holy before God. And so Leviticus chapter 23, uh, starting in verse 26, it says this, the Lord spoke to Moses saying, now on the 10th day of the seventh month is the day of atonement. It shall be for you a time of holy convocation and you shall afflict yourselves and present a food offering to the Lord. And you shall not do any work on that very day for it is a day of atonement to make atonement for you before the Lord your God. For whoever is not afflicted on that very day shall be cut off from his people. Heavy words from God right there, right? And whoever does any work on that very day, that person I will destroy from among his people. You shall not do any work. It is a statute forever throughout your generations and all your dwelling places. It shall be to you a Sabbath of solemn rest and you shall afflict yourselves, there's that phrase again, on the ninth day of the month, beginning at evening, from evening to evening, shall you keep your Sabbath. Why do we fast? We fast out of obedience. That's what the people uh, were doing then in the nation of Israel. Now Jesus, again, he's fulfilled the covenant. Jesus has come and died. We don't have to make sacrifices to approach God anymore. And so we don't have to come to God in fasting to cleanse ourselves to approach him the way that the nation of Israel had to do. But we can still be obedient because Jesus is saying, now when you fast, right? The assumption is the people of God are still fasting. So we fast for obedience and we fast for consecration to set ourselves apart. We can also fast out of repentance. Maybe there's something that's gone on in your life, something serious, and you're just, man, you want to just claw your way back to the Lord, but it just, it feels like you can't get there. The book of Joel chapter two says this in 12 and 13. It says, yet even now declares the Lord, return to me with all your heart, with fasting, with weeping and with mourning and rend your hearts and not your garments. Return to the Lord your God for he is gracious and merciful, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love and he relents over disaster. Now you might hear the the phrase there to to, uh, return to the Lord with fasting, with weeping, with mourning. You're like, okay, Lyle, you just said we don't fast to mourn. That's right, I did. So let's clear up some confusion here. Um, When we repent, there's still a grief that should fill our hearts because we've offended a holy God. 
God said, hey, this is the target. This is what I want you to do. This is how I want you to live. We miss the target. We're humans. That's what we do. We miss. That's what sin literally means. And there's times where our sin is pretty great. That maybe we haven't thought about it for a while. We've just kind of been doing our own thing. But usually there's a moment uh, for most people who walk with the Lord where it's just like your sin starts to grieve you. And when your sin grieves your heart and you just feel like there's not a way out from that. I would suggest to you that fasting might be a great way to start repentance, to start that act, to come to God and say, I'm gonna set food aside because I wanna seek your face and I wanna agree with you, God, that what I did offended you. And so we come to him in grief, yes, but we don't stay grieving. We don't have to mourn, why? Again, Jesus has come and Jesus has paid the penalty for our sin. And so we have a great hope. The way that that verse ends, return to the Lord your God for he is gracious and merciful, slow to anger, abounding in patient love. That's a message of hope, that we have a God that we get to approach, that when we repent, when we come to him uh, with true repentance in our heart and a true desire to live for his glory, he responds to that. A third reason that we might fast is uh, for intense supplication or intercession. Again, seminary words, I know it's, uh, like I said, tonight's going to feel a little academic, I'm sorry. Um, Again, it's fasting, what can you do? So what does that mean, intense supplication? It's just when you intensely are asking God for something. Intercession, what's that? It's praying for a situation that maybe you're connected to, but you're not necessarily directly involved in. I remember when my dad was diagnosed with cancer, the number of people who were interceding in prayer for my dad, for my family, to pray for us, to strengthen us as we were beginning that journey of him battling cancer, uh, man, it was beautiful. And I remember our family, there were days that we would fast to pray for my dad's healing that I would take that upon myself when I was going to college uh, because it was something that was very real for me. And uh, gosh, you know, Josh talked about today. For those of you who've lost a father, I lost my father in 2003. And days like today still uh, remind me how much, one, I love my dad, and two, how much I miss him. And so for some of you, uh, today's not the easiest day for you. Jesus sees that. He's with you. I just want you to know that, uh, that I love you and uh, my heart goes out to you as well uh, because my heart's right there with you. So intense supplication, intercession. A good example of this biblically would be Nehemiah. Any Nehemiah fans in the room? Right? It's our favorite book in the Old Testament. Not really, I know. So who's Nehemiah? Nehemiah was the cupbearer to the king. And so if you get uh, into Nehemiah 1, Nehemiah, uh, he hears news. Okay, this is uh, when Israel's already in exile. So they're outside of uh, Jerusalem. He's uh, with King Darius, I believe. And uh, he gets this report from those who are back in Jerusalem that things are not good in the city. Uh, And he hears that the walls have been totally destroyed. The city's been ransacked and destroyed and it grieves his heart. And so what does he do? He fasts. So he's intensely praying and uh, he's he's really going for it in prayer as he's interceding for the nation of Israel. And uh, Nehemiah is just, it's a fascinating book. It's a beautiful book because the whole book is actually the story of God's favor over Nehemiah. That God uh, sees Nehemiah as he's interceding and fasting. And not only does he grant him favor, like even this pagan king, Uh, that ransacked, like his people ransacked Jerusalem, took the Israelites out of Israel. Even he has compassion for the grief that Nehemiah shows. 
And so he writes orders that enable Nehemiah to go back to Jerusalem to rebuild the city walls so that it can be strengthened and that the people there can be safe once again. Sometimes when we fast, we go to God interceding for something. And the interesting thing is, um, what we will find in that time is that we're actually the answer to our own prayer. And so there's times that you might be seeking the Lord on something for somebody else and God's gonna tap you on that shoulder and he's gonna remind you, hey, um, I've equipped you to help with that. You realize that, right? And that's that moment where uh, we have a crisis of faith. Are we gonna be obedient to what God calls us to do or not? Nehemiah is a book of someone who was faithful to what God called him to do uh, and can be a great encouragement to us. Another reason we might fast is out of worship. Uh, it's kind of an interesting one that as I was going through this, I was like, oh, I never saw that in scripture. Uh, but Luke chapter two, uh, verses 26 through 36, uh, this is a story of a man named Simeon who uh, worked inside a temple and he received the revelation from God that he would not die until he saw the Christ. And so Mary and Joseph show up to this temple to bless Jesus uh, when he's a baby. And Simeon, when he takes Jesus in his hands, the Holy Spirit reveals to him that that's the moment that this revelation was fulfilled. And so he prophesies over Jesus. He prays this beautiful prayer. And it also tells us about this woman, Anna, the prophetess, in verse 36. Anna was a, a widow. Uh, she was advanced in her age. The scriptures say that once her husband died, she spent the rest of her life in the temple, worshiping with fasting and prayer. And so if you're the person that, man, just you find that you can't get enough of worshiping the Lord. That, yeah, you love to come and sing the songs. You don't just sing them on Sundays, but throughout the week, like you're just blaring them in the car awkwardly with the windows down and you're singing out and everybody's looking at you and you're like, hey, you know, uh, if you are that person, you just, you worship, you know. Uh, fasting is a great way that you can also give God glory, that you can bring him your heart to worship him. And then the last reason to fast is the seeking of guidance. So sometimes you just, you really need to hear a word from the Lord. You're trying to figure out what's next for me. What should we do? Acts 13 uh, tells us uh, as the disciples, the early church, it says this in verse two, while they were worshiping the Lord and fasting, the Holy Spirit said, set apart for me Barnabas and Saul for the work to which I've called them. Then after fasting and praying, they laid their hands on them and sent them off. So here's the early church. They're trying to figure out, God, what do you have for us? What do you want us to do? How do we carry this message of hope to the world, to the people around us. And so they fasted as they were worshiping. And in that fast, God spoke to them. And so maybe that's you. Maybe you're in a place where it's like, man, I need to hear from the Lord. Fasting can be a great way that just it, it awakens your spiritual senses. It kind of awakens uh, what's going on spiritually. So that maybe you just sense when God is finally leaning in and he'll speak to you. And he might say something like, I've been trying to reach you about your car's extended warranty. I'm kidding, no. <laughs> but really, this brings it kind of full circle because if you notice the, the disciples here, they're praying about what to do next. And so the, the Spirit tells them, send out Barnabas and Saul. And what did they do? Then after fasting and praying, again, they laid hands on them and they sent them out. What was the first one? Consecration, to be set apart. So here the disciples, as they see the call of God on these two men's lives, they wanted to consecrate these men as they sent them out for God's work. And so we've got lots of reasons to fast. Maybe you hear that and you're like, that's great, but hey, what's in it for me? I get it. That's most of us. We wanna know why should I do something? What am I gonna get out of this? 
there's nothing wrong with that. Uh, and so I was reading through Wayne Grudem's Systematic Theology, and uh, he presents these six reasons for fasting, uh, or benefits of fasting. I think they're, they're great. We're not going to spend a ton of time on this. But number one, fasting increases our sense of humility and our dependence on the Lord. I love this uh, verse. I memorized this verse when I was in college. Psalm 107.9 says, For he satisfies the longing soul, and the hungry soul he fills with good things. You can take that literally, that when we fast, when we seek the Lord with all of our hearts, that those of us who show that I am more hungry for you, God, than I am for any of the food or any of the sustenance that you provide for me, God loves that. God delights in that. And so fasting, uh, it gives us that sense of humility that I can't survive on my own. I can't survive just by eating all this food. I should not live on bread alone, but I need to survive on the words of God. So I'm gonna seek God in prayer. I'm gonna depend on God. Number two, benefits of fasting. Uh, Fasting frees up time for prayer. Uh, Even if you cut out meat from your diet or you cut out certain things, um, when we go to eat, there's cook time, for most of us, I know some of the TV dinners, right? But still, there's, there's the time of prepping food. There's the time for eating food. And when we fast, what we're doing is we're saying, God, I'm going to take this time that I would normally spend doing this. I'm going to free that up because I need to pray. I need to seek your face. For some of you who want to know what's a good way, a good thing for you to fast from, if your phone has the screen time or it tracks like what apps you use the most and you want to be really humbled, go check that out. Go see how much you're using your social media. Go see how much time you're spending on the internet. It's not pretty on some of our phones. There are times where it's like I'll spend hours uh, on games and on Instagram. And uh, yeah, then I wonder why I might be snappy with my wife or why I'm frustrated, you know, at little things. And it's amazing how when I just reorient my life, when I pay attention to how I'm spending my time, um, it affects the way that I treat other people. And I, I, I would venture to guess that that's probably the same for most of us. That if we would take the time that we spend doing other things that just lead to frustration or lead, um, just that take us away from the things of God. If we just reclaim even a little bit of that, man, what could God do? What could God do for, through that? Number three, uh, it's a continual reminder that just as we sacrifice some personal comfort to the Lord by not eating, so we must continually sacrifice all of ourselves to him. And so when we fast, yeah, we free up that time to pray, but another benefit is we start to see, um, man, God, I'm sacrificing this for you, but there's so much more that you are always calling me to sacrifice to make sure I can follow after you the way that you called me to. That's what being Christian is all about. That's what being a follower of Jesus is all about. That there's lots of things that our culture, that our society would say, yeah, this is a great way to spend your time. And we might look at that and say, that's okay, but there's a better way. And so I want to go that way. So I'm going to say no to certain things so I can say yes to the best things. That's what fasting helps us do. It helps us see what those best things are. Um, Four, fasting is a good exercise in self-discipline. As we refrain from eating food, uh, which we would ordinarily desire, it's also strengthening our ability to refrain from sin. So that's kind of an interesting thought too. You know, there's times that... uh, if you look, you can see I have some food experience, as I like to call it, food experience. Uh, I like to eat, uh, but I also don't like to be too round, uh, and so there's a problem there because I love ice cream and I love sugar, and there's chips and stuff out there. I'm like, if people don't eat all those chips, I'd love a bag of Fritos, right? Um, and so 
there's times that I want to grow in self-discipline to make sure that I can get to the gym, that I can do uh, what I need to do to take care of my own health. And fasting uh, is a great way not just to lose the weight, you know, am I right, Mike? Huh? Those intermittent or those gains? Yeah, I got you, bro. Um, but when you're looking to grow in self-discipline, why not start with a fast? Why not start to prove to yourself, hey, I can take 24 hours from sundown to sundown and just say, God, I'm going to spend this time with you. I'm going to pray. I'm going to seek you. I'm going to ask you for some specific things to help me grow. That's part of that seeking of guidance that we talked about, a reason for fasting. But the benefit that comes from that is when you show that you're able to, to hold off for something, God kind of uses the, that time to, to reveal to you, yeah, I can empower you to do some great things. I can empower you to hold off uh, doing some of those things that you might like doing that you don't need to. Uh, and then five, fasting, it also heightens our spiritual and our mental alertness. It gives us a sense of God's presence. Uh, there's been times that for me that that's, um, that's been really important, that I, I need to hear from God. I need that spiritual alertness. Fasting's a great way to kind of awaken the spiritual senses in that way. And then lastly, fasting expresses an earnestness and an urgency in our prayers. Uh, we've all heard stories of people who go on hunger strike. Why do they do that? They're trying to make a point, right? Usually it's people... And so uh, because they're, they're held captive, they want to make a point to their captors uh, uh, for, some, you know, for something. Uh, and so with fasting, uh, we can express our earnestness to God by saying, hey, I'm going to stop eating because I need to hear from you. I don't need food. I don't need these things. What I need is a word from you, God. That's how serious it is for me. I'm going to seek you with everything that I have in this moment because eating doesn't matter. What matters most is hearing your voice. And so that can be a great benefit to fasting is it, it expresses this urgency to God in our prayers. It shows the heart of the persistent widow, if you remember that parable. And so uh, with this whole section that we've been covering over the last three weeks, uh, we first talked about giving, when you give to the poor. There's a way to do that that really honors yourself more than it honors God. We talked about prayer last week, that there's a way to pray um, like the Pharisees where we heap up all these empty phrases uh, where it's really just about me and how holy I can look. And there's a way with fasting that we can uh, pursue this where we completely miss God. And so Jesus wraps up this section uh, by talking once again about our motivation. And so he's asking us, what's our motivation? What is it that motivates us as followers of Jesus? So he finishes this section in Matthew chapter 6, uh, verses nine through, 19 through 21. And he says this, don't lay up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy, where thieves break in and steal, but lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroys and where thieves do not break in and steal for where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Notice with each thing that Jesus talked about and up to this point in Matthew chapter six, all of it has to do with reward. He says, do these things in this way so that your father who sees in secret may reward you. Jesus cares about what we're motivated by. He wants us to be motivated by the right things. He wants us to be motivated by what the father can give to us. He wants us to be motivated by the eternal, not the temporal. 
It really reminds me of this passage in Colossians 3 uh, where Paul is writing to the church in Colossae and he says, set your mind on things that are above. Where Christ, who is your life, is. Set your mind on those things. Why do we fast? Why do we give? Why do we pray? Why do we do these things? Do we do it to look holy, to look religious, to check a box? Or do we do it because we know that the Lord sees it and we're seeking to do it with the right heart so that God can bless that? Why do we struggle with this? Why do we struggle with reward, with the fact that God wants to reward us? And I I just kind of have to ask the, the question, is it that our culture has provided so much for us that we're able to provide so much for ourselves that we don't have to live with a deep desire for heaven. I mean, just think about it. If your life were to end this week, how many of you would be disappointed because there are things in your life that you're like, man, I wanted to get that done. That's natural. That's natural to feel that way. And yet, here's what Paul said to the early church. He said this to the church in Philippi. He said, for me to live is Christ, to die is gain. I quoted a guy, Steve Cuss, a couple weeks ago, and he shared at this workshop that Jack and I were able to attend that he's um, writing a new book, and in this book, he's kind of chasing this thought that maybe we've reversed that in our culture. Maybe we've started to believe that to live is gain, to die is Christ. And so when I live here on earth, I'm just gonna gain everything I can. I need to get all that I can. I need to build up my nest eggs so that I can provide for my family when I die and know that they're gonna be secure and that they're gonna be safe. And there's good things in that. But when that becomes our focus and that becomes our motivation, God says that we've missed the mark. He wants us to be motivated that to live is Christ, that every moment that's here on this earth is lived for the glory of God, to display the goodness of God as shown through Jesus Christ and what he did on the cross and resurrecting from the dead. And then when I die, I get heaven. That's the gain, that I get to be with Jesus. And yet in our culture, we've, we've maybe flipped that, haven't we? C.S. Lewis said it this way. Uh, in the weight of glory, he said, we are half-hearted creatures. Remember the word teleos, right? God wants us to be wholehearted. C.S. Lewis said, we're half-hearted creatures, fooling about with drink and sex and ambition when infinite joy has been offered to us. Like an ignorant child who goes on making mud pies in a slum because he cannot understand what is meant by the offer of a holiday at the sea. We are far too easily pleased. And so we have to check ourselves. What's our motivation here? That's what Jesus is calling us to do, is to check our motivation. Are we pursuing the temporal things? Are we obsessed with money? Are we obsessed with sex? Are we obsessed in making an idol out of power and ambition and our drive to succeed? Are we like the little kids who just sit playing in the dirt? When God's like, hey, get up, there's a resort literally right over here that I want you to go relax in. I want you to go spend your time with me over here. We don't fully understand what heaven holds for us. And yet scripture talks about it in such a way that we should be motivated to seek that. We should be motivated to seek the rewards that the father has for those who are obedient to him. And so that's the challenge as we kind of finish up tonight with this last three weeks in this section, the Sermon on the Mount. This uh, 
passage that we just read here about your treasure, where your treasure is, that's where your heart will also be. It's gonna really play into these next couple weeks as well. And so let's pray. Because Father, um, gosh, that's what you're calling us to. You're calling us to store up our treasures in heaven. You've explained so clearly to us thus far in Matthew 6, what it is to practice our religion, to practice following after you in such a way that brings honor to the Father. And yet it's so easy in our culture to just to get it wrong, to feel like we have to, to keep up with others, to feel like we have to uh, live this holy religious life that others see. And it can be really well-intentioned sometimes. And yet when we start to peel back the layers, we see that it's really, it's all about us. And so God, just whoever it is that you're speaking to tonight in this room, I know I make jokes that we're talking about fasting and yet, um, Jesus, you called us to this. And I know that there's one person in this room that they just, they feel your spirit knocking on their heart like, man, I need to fast this week. I need to hear from the Lord. This is the message I needed to hear. And so I thank you, God, that even as we go through your word, we can come across passages like this that uh, at first glance, they may not seem to be uh, too enthralling. And yet, God, you are so good that you speak to us where we're at in our lives, uh, that you would allow a message about fasting to fall on Father's Day because you knew there'd be a person in this room who needed to hear that. So God, for all of us, would you open our hearts to receive from your word what it was that you wanted us to get tonight? Would you help us to be people uh, who don't fool about with the temporary, who, who don't uh, allow ourselves to be motivated uh, by things that don't last, but to just see the beauty of the reward that you have for us as we follow after you and that that would be what we chase after God that we want your favor in our lives. We want your presence in our lives. That to live is Christ, to die is gain. That we want to be with you and that's what we await is that great day when we get to be united with you in glory. So God, just continue to speak, continue to move in this time. We love you and we pray in Jesus' name, amen.
give it all we have. There is no greater call than giving you my all. I lay it all down. I lay it all down. There is no greater love, no higher name above. I lay it all down. Come on, let's sing that again. prayer for us to, to pray, uh, a prayer of consecration, really, just to say, God, you can have it all, whatever it is that you want with our lives. So, um, yeah, Lord, that's just our heart. We want to be a church uh, that that's really, truly our heart's desire. That's truly our prayer. That we're willing to set it all aside and just say, whatever it is you want to do with it, Jesus, it's yours. Uh, we're your vessels in your hands to do as you will. Lord, thanks for tonight. Thanks for a chance to worship together. Thanks for uh, a move of your Holy Spirit in this room. You've been here. We've met with you. uh, And we are meant to carry that into the world as we step out of here tonight, into our weeks, God. So help us to do that. Uh, That can only happen through the power of your Holy Spirit. And so we pray it all in your name, Jesus. Amen.
You can go ahead and grab a seat. Uh, I've got the buckets here. We're gonna do the raffle in a moment. Uh, just a couple of quick announcements. Guys, this Saturday, we have the guys night out at Splitting Timber. Uh, so that's gonna be the 25th from 5.30 to 7.30. So uh, inside the church app, there's a link you can tap on to sign up. It lets you prepay. Uh, and then we start like right at 5.30. We've got a lane reserved for us from 5.30 to 6.30 and then we're gonna get some food afterward. Um, somewhere in the area. So Splitting Timber, July 25th. The other thing too, uh, we're gonna do another uh, ice cream social after service, July 3rd. Uh, so we did that last year. We're gonna do that in the basement, in the gym. So we're gonna buy up a whole bunch of ice cream, uh, get all the toppings and stuff. Again, I have food experience. I'm a little too obsessed with ice cream. So uh, trust me, we know how to do this right. So we're gonna gather for ice cream, July 3rd after service. Make sure you put that on your calendar. We're also gonna do the summer family zoo night, uh, July 9th. Uh, so again, there's information about all this in the church app. If you don't have that downloaded, feel free to do that uh, so you can keep up to date. Uh, we do our giving a little bit differently around here. We've got the silver boxes in the back. So uh, that's where if you've got cash or a check that you give for um, your ties, just drop it in an envelope, drop it in the box. Uh, we'll get that back there. Most people give online because the, that's the easiest way to do it these days. But if you don't, that's the way to do it. So without further ado, I've been told that there are 22 tickets in here and I have seven buckets in front of me. So if you do the math, that's roughly one in three odds for the guys who are here that you're gonna win something. So get excited for that. If you've got your tickets, let's see, we've got REI, we've got Texas Roadhouse, uh, the grand prize $50 Amazon gift card in here. We've got Buffalo Wild Wings and Lowe's and Starbucks, Chipotle. Man, look at that. We are a church that obviously loves food. So. We will do the Amazon one last because that's what you do with grand prizes, right? So uh, I've been abandoned. I thought Margot would be here and she'd be my ticket drawer. That's fine. Micah, you look really Vanna White-ish tonight. So feel free to grab a ticket here. Gentlemen, look at the last three numbers on your ticket. We've got our first winner, huh, 420. I'm going to say it that way. 420. That's right. Dan Obker. Dan Obker coming up. We've got Starbucks, Lowe's, BW3, REI, Texas Roadhouse, Chipotle. REI right here. That's the one you want, sir. There it is. Well done, Dan Obker. Dan Obker, everyone. Let's get our second winner. And that winner is going to be 589. 589. There it is over here. Come on up. You're gonna have to remind me of your name. Say again? John. John. Gosh, I always forget that, bro. I'm really sorry. All right, Chipotle, Texas Roadhouse, BW3, Lowe's, Starbucks. He's getting the Chipotle. This man has good taste. Good taste. All right, another ticket here. If you have ticket 592, you are a winner. 592. Nigel, right on. Texas Roadhouse, BW3, Lowe's, Starbucks. He's going Lowe's. He is going Lowe's. All right, Micah, let's get another one. And for this winner, we have 409. 409. Ticket 409. There it is. Mike Metropolis, y'all. Come on, Mike. Starbucks, Buffalo Wild Wings, Texas Roadhouse. Your pick. He wants the steak. Another man of good taste right there. All right. 
587, ticket 587. 587, yeah, in the back, coming on up. There it is, CJ. We've got Starbucks, we've got Buffalo Wild Wings. You take your pick, Starbucks on your right, Buffalo Wild Wings on your left. We're gonna get another one here, we've got three left. The tension is building, folks. Who's gonna get the Amazon gift card? All right, who has ticket 417, 417, 417, right up in the front. There it is. Starbucks for you, Starbucks for you. And now it's time for the Amazon, the $50 Amazon gift card. Who will be the winner? Whoever has ticket 422, 422, 422. There it is, my man, Kevin, all right. Kevin gets the Amazon gift card. There's other fun stuff in there. So, uh, happy Father's Day once again. Uh, we're gonna do dinner tonight at Barl's Pizza. So if you don't have any dinner plans, dinner is already paid for. So we've called ahead, we've got pizza, we've got wings ready to go. So that's Barl's Pizza, that's on uh, Wilmot uh, and in between Speedway and Broadway, kind of by the hospital there. So we hope you have a great week for those of you who are at home. Thanks for tuning in and letting us uh, join you uh, for worship tonight. We look forward to seeing you all next week, all right? Have a great week.